plan for your life? Do you know where you want to go? Are you looking to be happier, healthier, and wealthier while having more fun every day? Meet our empowerment architect and goddess gardener, Cynthia Bryan, as she engages in energetic exchanges with success experts, bringing you research, innovations, strategies, and techniques to strengthen your life, business, and personal spaces. Be inspired, motivated, encouraged, and empowered. Lend us your ears right here on Star Style. Be the star you are. The party starts now. Well, party, party, party time. Hello, power partners. Welcome to our informational playground. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. And we are brought to the airwaves under the auspices of the literacy and positive message charity, Be the Star You Are. I am your host, Cynthia Bryan, and we're coming to you live on the Voice America Network. It is the empowerment channel where we strive to seed, stimulate, and support space for positive, meaningful conversations and hope to change your life for the better because we don't want you just to dream about being the star you are. We want you to actually be the writer, producer, director, and star of your own life so you can make your dreams come true by knowing who you are, being yourself, listening to your heart. The Miracle Moment for today is brought to you by Be The Star You Are charity. Please visit BeTheStarYouAre.org. We have lots of volunteer opportunities that are virtual that you may love as well as uh, many events coming up. So consider making a donation, BeTheStarYouAre.org. The source is unknown from this Miracle Moment. When the heart grieves over what it has lost, the spirit rejoices over what it has found. So isn't that true? When one door closes, another opens. So we cannot be looking in our rear view mirrors and thinking sadly. Well, we have a very empowering, exciting show for you today. Because coming up in segment two, I have leadership and conflict resolution guru Dave Gerber joining us. He is a healer, a warrior, a leader, a poet. And I think you're going to find a lot of really great information that he will um, give to all of us because he motivates people to become the best versions of themselves, which is what we're all about here at Be The Star You Are. So you will be inspired to transform the way that you engage with the world around you and be able to build strong relationships and great organizations and, you know, really feel like you are powerful. So I'm very excited to have Dave on the show. Also, we'll be talking in the third segment about some of the fresh vegetables and fruits that are coming straight from our personal dirt this time of year or are at your farmer's market because we can enjoy the best of everything at this time. And it's also fire season, so there's some instructions that we could learn to uh, to heed because we want to keep our homes and our lives safe from wildfires. So I will be talking to you about all of this and we'll, we'll lead you through it so that we can always be uh, safe together. Well, 
One of the things that I wanted to talk about in our segment one is the overprotected American child. If you ever read the Wall Street Journal, there was an article uh, back in June of 2018 of asking, you know, why aren't we letting kids play outside without supervision? Or why don't we let kids walk to school alone? Because, you know, it's almost like we're wrapping our kids in a bubble wrap or something. Uh, because there are so many things out there that could be destructive. However, being that helicopter parent or that overzealous parent can do some real harm to our children. So this is what we're going to explore today. You know, many have lamented the fact that children have less independence and autonomy than they did a few generations ago. I mean, fewer kids are walking to school, as I said. They're not riding their bikes around the neighborhood. They're not going on errands with their parents. And I know when I, I mean, I grew up on a farm, as my listeners already know, and we were very independent. I mean, we were riding our horses to other neighbors' farms or driving the hot rod. And, you know, it's like, I don't, you know, you, you didn't see your kids from the time they got up literally until dinner was served. And people that I know that even grew up in cities a few generations ago had so much more freedom and less scheduled time. But there have been so many high-profile um, high cases of parents now being actually charged with neglect for allowing their kids to walk or to play unattended. So that gives parents everywhere pause. We are seeing a backlash to the pressure for parental oversight. Now, earlier this year, the state of Utah enacted a new, I love this term, a new free-range parenting law that redefined neglect to specifically exclude things like letting a child play in the park or walk to a nearby store alone. Free-range, I mean, that's what we talk about with chickens, you know, free-range chickens or beef or something. And it's a little bit sad that we have to actually enact laws to allow our kids to be free. So psychologists and educators see it as one factor fueling a surge in the number of children and young adults that are being diagnosed with anxiety disorders. And according to a study that was published this past year in the Journal of Development and Behavioral Pediatrics, the number of children ages 6 to 17 whose parents said they were currently diagnosed with anxiety grew from 3.5% in 2007 to 4.1% in 2012. And in 2017, a survey of more than 31,000 college students by the American College Health Association reported that 21.6% of college students said they had been diagnosed or treated for anxiety problems during the past year. That is up almost 11% from a survey in 2008. So what does all of this mean? Why are we so afraid? And why are we being so sheltered? Well, a big 2007 study published in Clinical Psychology Review surveyed the scientific literature on how much parenting influences the development of anxiety in kids and parenting behavior that had the strongest impact of any kind was granting autonomy. That's defined as 
parental encouragement of children's opinions and choices, acknowledging children's independent perspectives on issues, soliciting their input, their advice, you know, help allowing them to help you make decisions and help themselves make solutions for their problems. So more autonomy is associated with less childhood anxiety. Now, of course, genes can play a role in individual differences with anxiety. But for children who are already anxious, overprotecting them just makes it worse. What it does is it reinforces to the child that there is something that they should be scared of. And that is not a good thing. So we have to be just so careful with what is happening to our kids. A lack of autonomy and independence can also stymie the development of self-confidence and may cause children to remain dependent on parents and others to make decisions for them when they are becoming adults. Um, Because children naturally want independence as they grow, thwarting that desire causes them to become angry and to act out. So like a lot of Generation X or um, X, uh, you know, Generation X people, there are a lot of memories of carefree childhood, of riding bicycles, playing tag with neighborhood children, and parents were nowhere in sight. So they seemed to trust their instincts. And I mean, the parents trust their instincts. But today, how do you go with your gut when you as a parent are bombarded by these hyperventilating social media posts with shrill parenting advice books with a very neurotic cultural tide. And what about all those disapproving neighbors? Or maybe it's even your spouse. So that's kind of a scary thing. Now, a handful of states have enacted laws that's, like I was saying about um, Utah, that specify minimum ages when it is legal typically, for children to be left alone. In Maryland, for example, it is um, eight. In Illinois, children under 14 cannot be left alone. Or a vague, unreasonable amount of time. Now, other states might give some more general guidelines. But for many of those big independence milestones, such as you know, taking a bus or other public transportation. Or here in the Bay Area, we have BART. Or taking the metro if you live in a big metropolitan city. Or, you know, being a babysitter for a younger sibling. These are really hard age recommendations. Children mature and develop skills at different rates. And children with special needs, of course, if they have ADHD or any kind of developmental delay, may take longer to develop the impulse control and the skills necessary to do some things independently. Now, many financially struggling families may have no choice but to leave their children home alone while they work. And in high crime neighborhoods, it might not even be safe to send older children out to play. And we know this as a fact. I mean, just recently, a three-year-old was uh, shot in the head just with his parents at a, uh, at a funeral when the child was walking around. So many find, um, one independent milestone that has been studied extensively is crossing the street. Now, that is something that many people 
want their kids to know. We're always telling our kids you have to look both ways when you cross the street. You know, stop. Don't be on a cell phone. Don't be um, distracted. It's very important that you stop at the curb before stepping into the street. And some studies have found that parents are likely to overestimate their children's ability, though, to safely cross the street. Now, there was a a paper that was published in the British Journal of Educational Psychology that found, in general, 10 and 11-year-olds were obviously much better than 7 and 8-year-olds at identifying safe places to cross and detecting traffic and road dangers. So the American Academy of Pediatrics advised parents to wait until age 10 to allow children to walk to school or anywhere else without an adult. Now, I don't know if that's going to be the case for you or your children because we really do need to give kids some independence and some chores and encourage this independence maybe in small, lower-stakes situations. Like, have children start their homework on their own. Have them help with the dishes. Perhaps have children help with, um, with doing laundry. All of these things are very good, you know, for kids because it is developing their skills. It's giving them a sense of mastery. It is making them self-sufficient. You, they want to be able to practice these traits before they're out in the quote-unquote, you know, real world to, um, to see if they can really handle it. So, you know, something you could do is have them make a sandwich or ask them, let's make your lunch together and then the next time, well, now you can make your lunch by yourself. We have to encourage parents to involve their children in making decisions about their own path towards independence. Because if you ask a child what they think about, say, staying home by themselves and then ask them to weigh the risks and benefits, it's going to facilitate uh, awareness for them, like self-awareness. And they automatically will start to make better decisions because they are thinking rather than just acting. And that's going to serve them well when they face decisions about things more serious, um, you know, like when they get to a junior high or high school and they're faced with issues with sex or alcohol or drugs. So it's never too early to start encouraging independence. You can start children as young as two or three. Maybe, you know, they help put the dirty clothes in the hamper. And then, again, when they're six or seven, they make a sandwich or they can take their bath unsupervised. Maybe you just check in on them. When they get to 14 to 17, they can schedule and go to a doctor's appointment without help. They can get an after school or summer job. They can make and follow a budget. Or uh, maybe when they get to older, 16 or 17, they can take an out-of-town trip by themselves. Because we don't want our children to be averse to risk-taking because that can really be dangerous. So even when children are thrilled to gain some independence, parents often have to learn to cope with their own anxiety. And that is something that is very hard because you send your kid out to camp, for example, when it's summer, and then you worry about what's happening. We really have to learn to just let go. So when children try something on their own, and it doesn't always go smoothly, they might be wrong, they might make a mistake, they might take the wrong bus, 
or choose not to study for a test, but let's let them fail on their own. It's like they have to touch the stove. Such outcomes point to the one autonomy milestone that parents find particularly difficult. And that is part of independence is to make your own decisions, including the right to make the wrong decision. So let's give our children the right to make the wrong decision and let them grow. So there is actually a a website called letgrow.org that I thought was really helpful. And it uh, has these little signs that say, hi, I'm not lost or neglected. I have been taught how to cross the street. I know I know never to go off with strangers, but I can talk to them, including you. And if you do not believe me, please call or text my parents. And then um, there's the letgrow.org. And I thought, you know, that's actually a good thing, but it is also sad that we now have to put that on our phones. So we'll be back in a bit. I'm Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. Don't go away. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Are you seeking a Dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world, lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR, 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 and visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan, www.cynthiabryan.com. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business is calling out to me. Well, Louis Stevenson wrote, you cannot run away from a weakness. You must sometimes fight out or perish. And if that be so, why not now and where you stand? So begins the preface to Dave Gerber's life-altering book, Use Conflict, Advance Your Winning Life. I'm Cynthia Bryan, and you're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. And Dave Gerber is with me. He is the president and founder of Synergy Development and Training Uh, He is a change catalyst, a futurist. He motivates leaders and individuals to become the best versions of themselves. 
He wants you to strengthen your relationships, save money, and generate revenue. And he's the author of several books. He's a leadership coach, a black belt martial artist, and a soon-to-be Reiki master. So I call him a triple threat. He's a leader, warrior, and healer. Hello, Dave, and welcome to Star Style. Be the star you are. Hello, Cynthia. It's great to be here. Thank you for that nice introduction. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for being here. I'm very excited about your books because they are the kinds of books I love. Short, to the point, they get it done. They get it done now. (laughs) But I want to start right away from reading your books. It's evident to me that martial arts and Master Bruce Lee have been a great inspiration, a motivation, and probably a bridge to everything you do and are. So could we start with you giving us your background in martial arts and how you bring that into your leadership and conflict uh, development training and programs? Absolutely. So actually, you know, I, in a former life or about 20 years ago, I taught high school and had a successful career there, but decided I wanted to start a conflict management business. So I started a conflict management business, and about five, seven years into that, I, uh, I actually, I developed uh, thyroid disease. Um, some of your listeners may have had have thyroid issues themselves. So I, I found myself, you know, uh, overweight and needing to find a solution, and I found uh, Krav Maga, or they refer to it as sort of the Israeli martial arts. And I really started that as a hobby, and it be, I sort of fell in love with it because it really allowed me to sort of live out the warrior side of my leadership self. And so it gave me an outlet uh, that allowed me to, you know, basically have fun, learn new skills that were kind of cool, uh, like James Bond, you know, and also <laughs> allowed me to um, get exercise all at the same time. And as a business guy, I wanted something that I could pop away from in the middle of my day for an hour, an hour and a half, and then come back and get into it. And that slowly developed. And because I've been a teacher for, for a really long time, uh, I decided that it was something that I was interested in possibly teaching. And that that's a sort of an interesting story in and of itself. Well, speaking of the teaching, I see that one of your books you wrote with your daughter, Jessie, Life line self-defense for kids from a kid and I thought that was really such a terrific idea uh, because all kids want to be safe and this I mean together you went through just some real simple things that you can do to uh, you know to protect yourself in case of any kind of attack. Yeah, I, I, so there's, it's a four part. I wrote it for, for kids and women. Uh, and the first two I wrote with my daughter, uh, which was, was really great. And they're photo based books too, as you know. So they're really how to do this stuff. And, you know, I included her, you know, in the entire experience. You know, I gave her, I paid her up front for the photos and she got to do the photo shoot and help write the book. And, and really what she I wanted to do. She had to have loved that working with you. I mean, what a great thing to work with your child, right? It was really cool. It was very special. And the great thing was that we both knew that we were trying to do it to help families because, you know, in many ways, you know, she's nine and a half at the time. And, you know, you had just sort of gotten done as a parent going through that time where hands are not for hitting and, you know, feet are not for kicking. And now it's like, well, wait a second. If we find stranger danger, we need to give our kids permission to fight back. And I thought that writing this book with her and including her voice would maybe soften a really difficult subject, which is kind of what I think that I'm sort of part of my purpose is to simplify the difficult stuff, the complex stuff, and make it easier for people to level up and and, and advance their life. 
Well, and I like the fact that you have the photos and the postures in there because it's one thing to tell somebody what to do and how to stand, but it's another thing to see it. I'm more of a visual person, so if I see it, you know, and it's demonstrated to me, then I can do it. But just reading it, that's a little bit harder. So the other book was Lifeline Self-Defense, Graduation, College Bound, and Beyond. And um, that one's a great one for teens and women. And I know when I was in uh, college, I went to UCLA, I took, uh, I took self-defense classes. And it was one of the greatest things I think I ever did because I really did and still do feel confident being alone by myself because I felt I had that training. So that that's very important that, that that you wrote these books and that you do it yourself. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, having worked with uh, high school students and college students and really seeing the gap, you know, one of the gaps is if kids can't go from point A to point B safely, then in many ways we haven't prepared them. So, well, you know, that was important to me was to help sort of round out their preparation of uh, with the ability to get themselves safely from one point to another. Well, this is what I was just talking about in our first segment, and that's why I was wanted to talk, you know, bring these two books up right away, is how our children today are kind of bubble-wrapped. They're so overprotected because of stranger danger and because of all the things that are happening. And unfortunately, it's causing a lot of anxiety disorders in young children because they don't have that poised they don't have that self-confidence that they can do it on their own because they've never done it on their own their parents are doing everything for them so knowing how to defend yourself uh, and you know whatever it is this is a critical life skill thank you and i think that the the other really good thing about knowing how to defend yourself is that it gives you the opportunity to use other options besides your your fists and your body you know it sort of allows you to think through and be a better communicator and that's that's one of the things that i'm proud of my daughter and her ability to do is you know she knows she doesn't have to use that you know whether if it's a you know violent bullying or a bullying situation you know and she also knows that she has full permission that if there's a stranger you know situation she's realistic about you know the ability to fight back and so yeah so I appreciate your attention to those books they're they're from the heart and um and and meant to really help people I my daughter's actually agreed to do a, a small uh, webinar with me to go with her book and and actually be the lead on it and and teach from from her perspective Ah, that'll be fantastic. Well, when we're talking about from the heart, first of all, if you're just joining us, listeners, we are talking with Dave Gerber, and he is, as we're saying, a warrior, a healer, a leader, and he is a conflict resolution expert, and you can find out more about him by going to davegerber.com. But talking about from the heart, I had to chuckle about your book, Don't Learn the Hard Way, Pre-Marriage <laughs> Questions. So you don't get divorced and then in parentheses again. So obviously you wrote this book because uh, you went through a divorce. And one of the things that you said or that you wrote in here is that you felt that by its very design, society actually leads people down the path of relationship destruction. How so? Tell us about this. Absolutely. Well, first, let me tell you that the reason that I wrote the book was because my daughter, when I got divorced, she was she was six, but she was seven at the time. And she looked at me and I don't remember what the conversation was, but she says, you know, daddy, when I grow up, I only want to get married two times. 
and and my heart oh, just kind of, yeah, oh my, you know, my heart just kind of broke you know and i was just like okay listen honey here's what we're going to do i'm going to write you a book and if that way if you decide that you ever do want to get married hopefully you can just do it once and so i wrote this book and i had it in a word document printed out on my floor and it was just sitting there forever i said you know dave she's 7 you know what are you going to do wait 11 years before you put it out so that's the reason I brought it out. And when I started to think about it, what I realized was, you know, just like the subject of conflict and conflict solutions, you know, we're just basically not taught about ourselves. We're not taught how we're programmed or our hardwiring. And we're, we don't have then the ability to really share that. There's so much stuff that's going on in our society that, that so much stuff that comes out of our socialization, so many things and important questions that need to be asked that are not asked that we just don't think about. And if you think about it at a divorce rate in America of 50 to 60 percent, you know, in any world I know, that's a catastrophic failure. So other than the fact that people are making a lot of money on divorce, um, we've we've really sort of messed this up. And I think that um, the, the goal and not even so much of just that book, but my goal in when I talk about this is to actually share some tools with people before they get married. Uh, and I said again, because a lot of people don't want to listen when we're younger, you know what I mean? So it's like. Okay, if it doesn't go right the first time, let's get it right the second time and let's do it based upon not only, you know, this concept of romance, but from some real science and proven stuff that really we all need to know and that's not that hard to learn. Well, Yen, you're so right. You know, I think that when we're young, we all do have that vision of romance. I mean, look at all the shows, you know, all the movies, everything, all the songs, all the country songs, everything is talking about love and romance, and, and we always think it can conquer all, but the reality is marriage is tough, and you really have to hang in there, and you've got to work it out. So these are, you have great, great questions in there, and I think it is probably pretty difficult to sit down and ask questions of one another, but boy, you would certainly learn a lot about that person before you jumped into a marriage. You know, and that's that's the thought is like, hey, look, if all things seem to be going right, the only reason that you wouldn't want to pull the questions out is because you're afraid that it would wreck something or that it would something wouldn't wouldn't uh, wouldn't last in terms of this feeling that you have. And that's a sign in itself, right? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And so it's kind of like, you know, the other thing is we have to be able to answer all these questions for ourselves. And in a world where commitment is tough, a lot of people don't want to answer these types of questions because they don't want to be pinned down to an answer. Now, that doesn't mean we can't grow and learn and change our answer. But fundamentally, as you saw in the book, the questions really are like, you know, you kind of either know or, you, you know, one way or the other, you know. And so if we can answer those questions about ourselves, then we can share more about who we really are and be more realistic about what we're looking for in a partnership you know, and, and have better success. It's, I, I really, I really think it's really a smart thing, as you say, don't learn the hard way. Because most people, especially if you're younger and you jump into marriage, is you don't talk about money issues. You don't talk about 
you may or you might talk about children if you want them or don't. But you know, if somebody says, oh, "I really don't want the children," you might think, "Oh, well, I'll change his mind or her mind later." And, and you know, you don't change somebody. So that's the key: is that you, all these things are going to be there. The red flags will be there before you get married. So ask the questions, and then you'll figure out what your views are and what your potential partners are. But I, I also um, had a good chuckle when you said that asking these good, educated, unromantic questions are like putting on a condom. They're not fun, but if you don't, the consequences are <laughs> yeah. often life-changing and devastatingly yeah. painful. Yeah. And how true that is. How true that is. I mean, I the question is, how many commas and how many zeros is it going to cost you and your, your spouse? And the reality of it is, it's devastating on kids. Now, I'm really fortunate. I'm amicable with my ex-wife. Um, we've, we're doing a great job of raising a fantastic daughter. And, you know, we're lucky because the reality of it is we got out of the relationship before one person made a mistake um, that brought on anger and, and hatred and resentment. And, and you couldn't when, go back. And you can't go back. And so right. I always tell people, like, if you're struggling, don't do not do something bad to break it up because in the, this day and age, you're going to lose your money, then you're going to lose your kids, and then you're going to lose your soul. Mm-hmm. And if especially for men, you know, depression numbers are so high and there's also a real fantasy I think a lot of people have about how great the dating world is right now. Oh, and, right. And that's a and, fantasy, isn't it? Yeah, and I think both pe- people on both sides would, you know, would say the same. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I mean, I don't, you know, unless you are in your teens or 20s, I don't know too many people that think dating is fun these days. And, you know, the whole online thing where you're meeting somebody and you don't really know if they're for real or not until you meet them is rather scary. But, you know, that's the way it's going. Well, we're going to switch gears. And now I really want to get to your book, Use Conflict, Advance Your Winning Life. Because conflict is something that we all experience. And sometimes we have it every day. But most people are running from conflict. And what you are trying to say is embrace it, uh, learn from it. And it's not, act, you know, it's sort of like the acting thing of it's not what happens to you, it's how you respond to it that matters. So tell us about conflict prevention, management, resolution. What do we do? So the first thing I say is I, I did this presentation where I, it was like a Saturday morning. And I said at 8.30 in the morning, I said, okay, don't say it out loud, but I want you to think of all the swear words that you can come up with in the next 10 seconds. Don't say them out loud. And, and, and I, it got done, and I said, listen, raise your hand if conflict was one of those. And, of course, no Interesting. one raised their hand. Nobody raised their hand, right? <laughs> of course not, right? So it's not a dirty word. And, you know, that's one of the things that I'm trying to get people to understand. If it's not a dirty word, we're really talking about proactive, positive confrontations where people don't get left shamed, blamed, or guilted. So, okay. So when we use conflict, I mean, there's always, I know people that truly, um, they just avoid it. I guess that's the biggest mm-hmm. thing is that if there's a conflict, they're going to, they'll leave the room or they'll leave the situation or they clam up. And sure. then they kind of think if we sweep it under the rug, it's going to go away. 
And I suppose that's like a default behavior. Well, it's interesting because avoiding conflict works just often enough for us to be convinced that maybe we should use it more than we should. So, you know, there are a lot of people in the workplace uh, have used the Thomas Kilman, the TKI instrument, which basically says that, you know, you you have a default response or reaction in many ways to conflict. So if you look at conflicts as it was around relationships and the outcomes, you have, you know, accommodate, avoid, compromise, compete, and you have collaborate. So if you are high on the uh, interest of relationship and you're high on the interest of getting outcomes, you're collaborating. If you're low on the interest of relationships and low on the outcomes, you're avoiding. And especially if we look at society right now, you know, American American culture and American society is struggling. There's tons of friction. People are very upset about a lot of things. Uh, Isn't that the truth? Unbelievable. Yeah. The cup runneth over very quickly for people. And so that's why I think, pardon me, I think that these conflict management skills, conflict fluency, uh, getting at low-hanging fruit to be able to feel better about using conflict and, and getting some basic skills around it, which were not taught to us anywhere, it's kind of like the whole marriage thing. Isn't it interesting? They didn't teach us how to deal with conflict, and they also didn't teach us about marriage. Okay, go. <laughs> right, exactly. Or they don't teach us how to raise children, you know? I mean, some of the most important things in the world, it's the most important things that you can possibly do, and you're kind of on your own out there. So we have to use some experience and some expertise from people who have been there, done that, as such as yourself, and uh, try to achieve I guess resolution would be the right thing, right? And to deal with our fears and our anger and all of those things. But now, you know, just coordinating what you wrote about with um, in divorce. Well, actually, you know, on the Don't Learn the Hard Way book. Mm How do you you overcome conflicts in relationships then? What's the best? is Is there a best scenario? So, you know, it's obviously, as you know, it's a big question. There's all different types of conflicts. So I think the answer, interestingly enough, is the same as it would be if I was talking to an HR director or a C-suite leader or a project manager. And I'd say, look, we have to standardize. We have to standardize our system of conflict management at some level. We have to come together and have some similar language and some similar preparation so that we can not remove the emotion, but reduce the emotion enough that we can still be logical, talk about what our needs are, and do so in a way where we can be heard and we can sort of get that win-win you know, solution. So the, for me, and this is kind of like the unro- another one of those unromantic things that we really need to be doing and teaching for our relationships is, For instance, the model that I'm going to be teaching it on Monday to an organization in Washington, D.C., I call it a multi-generational conflict planning model. And whether we use it for a supervisory discussion or we use it for a spousal or partnership discussion, 
it gives people a skeleton for how to think about the issue before they have the discussion and then move through. And then we have to have basic ground rules. And, you know, nobody likes to set up ground rules because they almost envision this teacher or this parent over them sort of scolding them with their shaking their finger. But the reality of it is, as my mother used to say, if you don't set up the rules before you play the game, you're going to end up in conflict. Yeah, very well put, very well put. Well, I want to just jump because we're running out of time. You are getting advanced certification in Japanese energy healing. So that makes you the healer. And this is all part of everything that you're doing is easing conflict and keeping people safe. So tell us about that. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, I'm ho- in two weeks, I'll be going for my master training, and hopefully I will um, be successful. Um, I basically, I've always sort of felt like a healer, but I wanted to have uh, some kind of formal background, and, and I found Reiki and found a wonderful teacher. And, and what I realized was that both as a, an individual, a person, as a man, as an adult, even as a kid, that we have a lot more power than we thought we do than we thought we did and from the business side it's like that expression it's lonely at the top so what i realized was there's actually a whole nother level of self-healing that reiki uh, taps into that people could really benefit from it's it's beyond yoga it's beyond the basic meditation it's beyond sort of the the guided imagery, which all that stuff is, is very good. Uh, there's just a whole nother level. And I experience, you know, as someone who's been dealing with conflict management and teaching and sociology and education for 25 years, I was so moved by the power of self rejuvenation uh, through very difficult times, including the loss of my mother, which is almost coming up on a year next month. Oh, I'm so sorry. That's so tough. Yeah, and what I realized was without Reiki, it would have taken me so much longer. So I was like, okay, how can I bring this healer side to the warrior side and the leadership side so that not only am I bringing something original, I'm also able to, I guess, squelch the standard objections from anyone in that I'm sort of bringing, you know, if someone's on the softer side, they I have that side. If someone's a warrior, you know, maybe a soldier or alpha, I have that side. So that was my goal, and I think the Reiki is a huge part of that, uh, of bringing the healer side, the softer side, the, the side that helps my authentic side come out even more. Well, you also have the book on fire, leadership motivational quotes for military leaders, and as a person who's been collecting quotes my entire life, I just love books of quotes, and I feel that this is very, very helpful to, uh, especially for people in the military, to have these powerful leadership quotes that they can just, you know, just refer to all in one easy book. So, way to go. Well, let me give out your websites. You can go to DaveGerber.com, and Gerber is G-E-R-B-E-R, or ConflictHealer.com. He is available, obviously, on Twitter, Instagram. You can probably find him everywhere. But I really, really have um, enjoyed looking over and reading your books. And especially this Use Conflict, I think, is, is powerful. So congratulations on intertwining leadership, conflict, uh, management, healing, and being a warrior all at one time because you are a leader and you are 
leading the next generation into our present generation. So thank you for that. Well, well, thank you very much. And, and actually, speaking of that, I'm really excited to, to lead into the next generation with a, a, a radio show on Voice America in September called Preparing for Robots. Oh, so great. I, I'm excited to join the ranks and, and follow in your footsteps. Wonderful. Well, and also, I should say, you're going to be a guest on uh, our Express Yourself Teen Radio coming up in August, I believe it is. And um, and that will be on Express Yourself. It is going to be, I believe, on 8-21. You'll be able, listeners will be able to to uh, listen to Dave talking with young people. So very exciting. I'm glad that, that you'll be here. So you'll be uh, working together. That's awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you and, I, and your show is fantastic. And thanks to your listeners. Thank you so much. All right. Well, that is Dave Gerber, davegerber.com, conflicthealer.com. I'm Cynthia Bryan. I'll be back in a bit, and we will finish off with fruits, vegetables of the season, and some fire safety. Don't go away. Be the star you are. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Be the star you are. The star you The annual cost of illiteracy to American taxpayers is over $225 billion. Help increase literacy, reduce violence, and improve positive media messages by making a tax-deductible contribution to Be The Star You Are charity. A top-rated nonprofit, Be The Star You Are promotes positive role models, produces positive radio broadcasts, and donates positive books to empower women, families, and youth. Be a power partner and join our galaxy of stars. Visit our website at bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation using PayPal or send checks to P.O. Box 376, 376, Moraga, California, 94556. Bethestarur.org. Dare to care. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. Well, thanks for staying with me here on Star Style. Be the star you are. We've had a wonderful show with Dave Gerber, our guest. And now, you know, the sound of weed whackers and lawnmowers and chainsaws and blowers and giggling kids, it really indicates that summer has arrived. And in the heat of the day, swimming pools become our refuge while our patios are the place to kick back after a long day at work. And we always have to worry about fires as well, especially when there are, um, we are near wildlands. So here's a checklist to keep your home safer 
from any fires that could be around you. And just because you live in a town or a city, don't think that a wildfire can't affect you. Just look at what happened in California in Santa Rosa this past year. So clear leaves, needles, and other debris from gutters, eaves, porches, and decks because that prevents the embers from igniting your home. Remove all dead vegetation from under any decks or within 10 feet of your home. Make sure to trim your weeds and grasses to three inches maximum and clear combustible debris and growth three feet from the edge of roadways and 15 feet in vertical height. Keep your roofs and chimneys 10 feet clear from overhanging trees and branches. And the reason you want to keep uh, limbs trimmed up to the lowest branches, you want the lowest branches no more than six Uh, no more than 10 feet from the ground because otherwise you will have what's called fire fuel laddering. So you can reduce that by ensuring that bushes and trees do not touch at any point and are not near the ground. And then stack all combustible materials 15 feet away from structures. That includes firewood. And parcels that are over three acres must provide 30 feet of fire breaks and cross breaks. And then, of course, watch for regrowth. Properties have to be maintained. So it doesn't matter if you're in a condominium or on a three-acre parcel. It's up to you to prevent the, the fires that could be detrimental to you. Now, uh, farmer's markets right now are filled with wonderful summer fruits and vegetables that are fresh And you can find them, obviously, in your produce departments. But you're going to get local best flavor and the greatest value when they're in season. So specific crops and harvest dates obviously depend on where you live and what your climate is. But you want to try to buy them as they're going to be harvested. So right now, uh, apricots are harvested. And they are incredibly flavorful. So they do not travel or keep well. So just get them at farmer's market. Now, avocados have a season that defies logic. They're fickle, depending on their exact location. Some are in season over the summer, and some ripen hard, and then they speed up by keeping them in a paper bag. So you'll have to just check where the the avocados are. Basil right now is going great, and it's perfect because it goes with tomatoes that are now fresh and can be purchased at your farmer's market. Uh, Bell peppers, the same thing. They should have smooth, shiny skins. Now, beets are often sold with their greens attached, which means that they are more freshly harvested. And that's really a two-for-one because you can cook the greens just like a Swiss chard, and that they are really delicious, and then you can eat the beets. Blackberries will be coming, oh, they'll be ripe in probably a month or so. Blueberries are ripe right now, and they are, when they have that dull matte finish, that's when they're ripe. And some blueberries are pink, even though they're called blueberries. Now, cantaloupes uh, and all melons are getting into their ripeness. They should feel heavy for their size, and they should smell like melons, uh, really have that wonderful melon smell to them. So, you know, you can, you've probably seen how you can tap on a melon, and if it's kind of hollow, it's usually a better melon, but do the smell test. That is a, a really good one. Uh, cherries are almost finished now. There are some areas that the uh, Queen Anne's are still coming in, but and you do find them at farmer's market, but it is the end of the season. Corn 
I am so excited about corn because I only eat corn in the summer, fresh summer corn. I love the white sweet corn. It's so great. I, I What I did, I did this weekend is I wash it. I pull the husks back. I do a kind of a, a butter, garlic, cilantro, basil, salt and pepper and um, and some red peppers and rub it inside the corn, wrap it back up in the husk and put it on the barbecue. And it is really great. And yes, if you get organically grown corn, you might have a worm or two. Just pick it out. You know, if the corn's going to be fine to eat. Cucumbers are ready to be eaten right now. Fennel is bolting at the moment, but uh, you can still get, it's more of a cool climate um, herb or vegetable, but you can still find it. Figs usually have two seasons, but the main one is late summer. So it'll be pigs, uh, figs will be coming in uh, pretty soon. Grapes won't be ripe until end of August or beginning of September. My grapes are just flourishing. They're getting really, really big. Right now, you can get green beans as well. And you can also find... Um, limes and lemons of and tangerines and those are great you can look for the small small fruits and citrus is really at their best in the summer except for oranges that are really good in february nectarines oh those are the fuzzless peaches they are fantastic at the moment as are peaches so find them i just dug out my new potatoes and freshly harvested potatoes have this paper-thin skin, and they're really delicious, boiled or buttered, and you can use them in potato salads. So get some new potatoes. Pears won't be here uh, for another month to two months, uh, but plums and pluots right now are fantastic. So that gives you just a little bit of uh, an idea of what is ripe and ready, and of course, those fresh tomatoes and the fresh uh, zucchini and summer squash are fantastic. And you can use the fresh blossoms as well. So thank you very much for being a great listeners and allowing me into your life every week. Make sure you're tuned to Star Style, Be The Star You Are, every Wednesday, 4 to 5 p.m. right here on Voice America, the Empowerment Channel. I want to always be your personal growth success coach and offer you uh, expert advice from the experts and authors that can help you change your life and make your dreams come true. For more information about Be The Star You Are charity, please visit bethestarur.org. To get any of my books, visit cynthiabryan.com forward slash online hyphen store or just go to cynthiabryan.com, click on books. You'll find them there. My aim is always to encourage, inspire, inform, amuse, and motivate. See beyond your physical being. Know you're already the star you dreamed of becoming. But cherish the past, dream of the future, and celebrate every moment of your life. And pick up a book this week because it's like a garden in your pocket. Go to DaveGerber.com and pick up one of his very simple, easy-to-read books, and you will be able to resolve your conflicts as well. Well, until we get together next week to celebrate, remember, love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles will keep us happy. I'm Cynthia Bryan for Star Style, thanking you and encouraging you. Be the star you are. Have a wonderful week. Dream, create, inspire, men mostly make a difference. Thanks for joining me.
Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star you are. You are the star. It's been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to be the star you were born to be. For more information, visit StarStyleRadio.com. And to make a donation to the charity, go to BeTheStarYouAre.org. Ignite the flame that burns brightly within. Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan. Every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice of